When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, we have our week in review, and that's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today is Friday, October 29th, 2021. It's a long show today, so I'm just going to get straight into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. And I'm recording this at 10.30 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is sitting at $61,070, down a half a percent in 24. While Ethereum is up to $4,365, up 4% in 24. Binance Coin, $506, up 5% in 24. Tether's in the number four spot and Cardano's at two bucks even, down 0.6%. Running off the top 10, we have Solana, XRP, Polkadot, SHIB, and then Doge. And by the way, SHIB is up 163% this week alone, but it's down 2.4% in 24. Total market cap, we're at 2.61 trillion, a BTC dominance of 44.1%, and an F dominance of 19.6. And now it's time for Coin of the Day. Our Coin of the Day today is ranked 361 on CoinMarketCap. It's Eternity Chain. Eternity chain. Its ticker is ERN. Its price is eleven dollars and thirteen cents, up two point eight percent in twenty-four. Its market cap is a hundred and thirty-eight million dollars. Fully diluted market cap, three hundred thirty-three million dollars. That means there's forty-one percent in circulation. What is the all-time high for this token, ERN? It is yikes, seventy-four dollars and thirteen cents. It's down eighty-four percent from all-time high, which is seven months ago. Its all-time low was eight months ago, <laughs> which is interesting, uh, at $2.72, but it is up 300% from its all-time low. Where can you buy Eternity Chain? You can buy it on Binance, Uniswap, shitcoinmacagate.io, and they all have pretty good liquidity. Binance obviously has the most liquidity, and the other ones are decent, decent, a couple hundred thousand dollars. But Binance has uh, well into the millions of dollars of volume and pretty decent uh, ability to buy, sell, and trade. So what does Authority.io do? Well, it's the world's first authenticated and licensed NFT platform, trusted by over 150,000 members, it says. It just looks like it's a marketplace. Uh, there's interesting uh, NFTs here. For example, the Anderson Silva Legendary NFT, one of 175. They're trading at uh, about $1,300. There's Bicycle Kick Gilded, uh, which is a soccer NFT, which is trading at around 3500 bucks. There's a messy NFT, uh, Man of the Past it's called. Uh, eight, out of 30, 8 out of 75 is trading at around $8,000. So it looks as though they just have a lot of sports NFTs. I'm going to go to their marketplace really quick to see what else they got. They have cars, they have art, they have... But it seems as though it's mostly sports-based, or at least that's what's front-facing on their platform. NFT marketplaces and NFTs, as you know, are popping off. So 
wouldn't surprise me if there's more and more of these things pop out and we're going to see more and more marketplaces come out which ones are going to last which ones are going to have the staying power into the future not too sure but this one is 361 on coin market cap this is eternity chain and now to stop with my rambling and get into that week in review andrew hayward senior writer for decrypt how you doing welcome to the show i'm good thanks for having me it's been a while Absolutely. It's been probably, we were just talking about this off air. I think it's been about a year, maybe a little over. Yeah, I think I did a few appearances like in the first few months that you started this when I was freelancing and then I, I'm, I'm full time now. So well, I'm back. Congr <laughs> Congratulations on being full time and it's good to see you again, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, same to you. So we're going to do our weekly roundup together. And you know what? Let's just get kick it right off. Let's start talking about Backed and MasterCard. Now, Backed and MasterCard was a big deal because MasterCard, you know, they're the biggest or the second biggest, you know, credit card issuer. I don't know if it's the biggest, you probably could tell me in a minute, but long story short is they're like, I have a market cap of like $360 billion and they, a lot of people have their cards. They're accepted everywhere around the world. And, and they teamed with back to offer crypto payments through their credit card services. And back went to the stock market on Monday. They started trading at $8. And then they just, after this announcement, three X it. I think this is huge news. Yeah, Bact had a hell of a week. I mean, anything that pushes for mainstream adoption is key. And Bact seemed to have played its timing right on going public and announcing these alliances, both with uh, MasterCard and also Fiserv, which is sort of a, a similar partnership. You know, between those moves, Bact's stock was up more than 400% at one point this week, and it's still about triple what it was trading for last week. So, you know, big, big win for Bact. I'm, you know, assuming a big win for mainstream adoption eventually. And it, good for Bact to kind of finally move past its association with Kelly Loeffler, the former CEO and deeply unpopular short-term senator. Oh, right. <laughs> I, I remember why I didn't like Bact and I didn't like, uh, you know, that after a while. But uh, full disclosure, I did buy into uh, Bact stocks. I, and here's the thing about Bact. And, and I was telling everybody, because I bought into, and I, the listeners know, I bought into Coinbase and Robinhood IP, IPOs or direct listings when they went out. And it, what happened was they just dropped off. Bact was opposite. Bact stayed pretty much level and then just killed it. And so I had to buy in and I bought the top, obviously. So I'm, I'm sitting at a loss. But it's interesting how they organized this better than I think Robinhood and Coinbase combined uh, in really figuring out and understanding their footing before they went into market. Do you think that they planned this or do you think that it was just all like coincidental? Because it seems as though like when you these other listings kind of lost a little value and they're starting to slowly gain. Actually, Robinhood is still uh, trading below their IPO price. Uh, do you think that th this was all planned? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I can't imagine there's any coincidences in this. I, I think they probably picked a good time to launch and they knew they had big news on the horizon and it, it juiced the price. So now we just see if they can keep it up. Uh, another big story this week is chatter about uh, possibly taxing unrealized capital gains for billionaires. Do you, do you want to give me a little bit about that? Yeah, man. Uh, so that, that's actually interesting. We've been, you know, getting a lot of feedback from the uh, listeners of the Decrypt Daily, and they've been hearing this all week about, you know, sharing their opinions back and forth. And really quick, this was a tax that was going to be implemented by the Biden administration to try to fund some of the uh, Build Back Better bill. 
basically with the idea that people who make over $100 million a year or have $1 billion in assets over a three-year period, uh, they're not getting taxed fairly. And this is true. You know, uh, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, they're paying, you know, either no income tax some years, getting refunds some years because of, you know, having kids or whatever kind of tax credits they, they, they have, which is absolutely insane that Jeff Bezos could get money back from the IRS. Um, so they were trying to tax unrealized capital gains. Now, real quick, what is an unrealized capital gain? Unrealized capital gain is when you are making profit on something you're um, hodling. So let's just say you buy Bitcoin at $50,000, it goes up to $100,000. You have $50,000 of gains. And if you didn't cash it out, it's unrealized capital gains. And so what the bill proposal is, now obviously this is for billionaires, uh, but the, the bill proposal was, well, the unrealized capital there, we're going to come in and tax you on that and you're going to have to pay the IRS. And so the, the question was, is obviously they're going after billionaires, but is this ethical? Is this a good precedent to make? Could there be a slippery slope? Because I could tell you right now um, to tax, a, like I say, an average Bitcoin hodler or something on their unrealized capital gains. And this is what they're saying about the uh, billionaires as well. They're going to have to sell probably their assets to pay those uh pay the IRS. And then that takes capital out of either the markets that takes capital out of deployed to something else. And also, well, there's all kinds of different slippery slopes in there. And how, and how far does that go? Okay, fine. 700 people now, is it going to be, uh, you know, another 10,000 later, is it going to go trickle down to maybe uh, the average American citizen paying taxes in the future of their income? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, it's targeted as a tax on billionaires, which in most cases sounds just fine to me, go for it. But the consensus across the political spectrum here seems to be that, you know, this wouldn't be feasible, it doesn't make much sense, and it could well be unconstitutional too. I mean, I've seen notable crypto folks and even people outside the industry say that, you know, effectively, like a founder of a company would have to sell their shares when their company starts to be successful, just mm -hmm. to keep up with this, uh, this taxation. So, you know, it just seems like an unnecessary and, and probably unworkable complication. I say find other ways to tax the ultra rich and make them pay their fair share. It just seems like a lot more trouble than it would be worth. And another point to that was, so how this would also work is if you, uh, the go the go if you have gains uh, and you're in profit, then they'll tax you. But also you will get a, just like anything else, if you lose money, you can claim your um, that you lost money and get a deduction. So- you know, billionaires have all the resources in the world. You know, they can hire as many lawyers if they want. They can hire as many, make as many, you know, shell companies or offshore accounts or, you know, fly to wherever or put their money into, you know, whatever charity or they will find a way to make losses. So if there's that loophole, in my opinion, uh, yes, it, we have to figure out smart ways to tax these ultra, ultra billionaires and make sure that companies like Amazon uh, pay their fair share. Uh, but give them the out or give them the way to be creative and find a way to take losses or declare losses, they're going to find a way. We've, we've seen that already. So yeah, I just absolutely. feel like, and speaking of big gains, SHIB, SHIB token, my friend, what's going on with SHIB? Yeah, all the dog theme coins are nuts this week. Uh, Shiba Inu surged in price. It was up 144% at one point this week. Uh, Flip Doge, it, it was higher on the total market cap for a while. Uh, and then Floki Inu uh, was up hundreds Crazy. of percent. Uh, and then Dogecoin went up again and, uh, you know, unflipped Shiba Inu. So it's just been all crazy meme coin, meme token action this week. Did you hear about the person that invested $8,000 and now it's worth uh, $5.7 billion of <laughs> uh, Shiba Inu? 
yeah, that's a hell of a bet. I, I kind of wish I had $8,000 to throw into <laughs> shit coins. I, I think that's going to be the trade of the century. And you know what? I was listening to, uh, I, I mentioned on the podcast yesterday, I was listening to Pomp 2 yesterday. And I, it, we have the same idea about this one. It's like, yeah, great. You have $5.7 billion of SHIB token, but where are you going to sell it? Where are you going to mm-hmm. find the liquidity? If this was $5.7 billion of Bitcoin, you can find an OTC trade because people want to buy Bitcoin. Institutions want to buy Bitcoin. You just call Michael Saylor, give him a 5% discount, <laughs> you will off your Bitcoin. But with SHIB token, I don't know if they're, they're going to be able to off this. And maybe on the on the order books, on exchanges, or you know, just you know, where, wherever they're going to try to off it, $100 million which is a crap ton of money. Let's not say it's not 5.7 billion, but it's a crap ton of money, maybe 200, but 5.7. I think that, yeah, this sounds really good, but I think in in actual practice, they might have a big problem trying to actually find a a place of sale for this. And if they do sell it, they're going to totally tank the price. Yeah, I, I saw someone tweet that uh, you know Shiba Inu's drop is going to be biblical because it just it just rose up so quickly, and I, I can't imagine that this momentum is going to continue. I mean, we saw Dogecoin earlier this year; it kept going and going for a few months, but it's like 70 percent off of its high now. So, I I think you know people should invest in what they want to and have fun with it, but uh, it's it's a little scary to me. It's it's not where I'd be putting my my thousands of dollars, but you know, a hundred bucks, play with it, have fun. But obviously this is not financial advice, but what do you, what no. do you think of a ship token, by the way, do you think it actually has use cases or is just this, this, this is, this honestly sounds like when people say Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, I'm not, not Bitcoin. Let me take that back. Cryptocurrencies is a Ponzi scheme that this seems ponzi Yeah. I mean, it, it does. I, I don't really know what the use case is for it. I'm not sure that use case is really a key consideration when you're talking about you know, meme coins and things that are very, uh, very easily swayed by social media sentiments. I mean, it's, it's fun, but I, I still hesitate to call this a serious investment in any way, shape or form. So when does it com- become a um, serious investment? Because look, Dogecoin was a meme coin before Elon Musk came out and said he's going to start working on it. Um, there's been, you know, rumors that he's going to in- introduce Dogecoin in like his uh, Starlink satellites and, you know, they're going to be running nodes or all kinds of different things, you know. But if, if that actually happens, then Dogecoin has been went from a meme to a actual uh, a cryptocurrency that is going to have use cases and actually could facilitate some sort of value transaction. When does SHIB turn from a joke to something with value? I mean, I guess that's in the eye of the beholder and everyone's going to have their own, you know, different take on, on what it means to be a serious investment or to have real use cases. But I, I feel like when when the price action is less volatile and when it's more sustainable in value and then when we start to see a wider ecosystem sprout up around it and actual use cases that are beyond just sort of having fun and sharing memes, then that to me, that's when it would be something that maybe could consider as a more serious investment. And I guess, you know, I'm, I'm trying to I'm not trying to get all meta, which we're going to go into meta here in a little bit, the new Facebook. <laughs> but uh, but I, I really and I called SHIB a Ponzi and Ponzi is not correct, really, because on a Ponzi scheme, people pay into it. And then the whoever's controlling those funds are paying uh, like dividends to other people that are uh, bought into it from other people's money from, that are investing into this scheme. And so mm-hmm. it's more of like a planned circulation of capital. And this is like more of a chaotic circulation of capital where 
you're not actually gambling because when you're gambling, say betting on black or going to a roulette wheel, there are is a determined outcome of you know that there's a certain percent that it's going to land on X number or black or whatever, um, or the dice are going to roll a certain way. Um, with Dogecoin or or these meme coins or or Floki Frunk Puppy, there is no actual predetermined outcome or or odds that something's going to happen it's also taking money from the top so how do would you define this action of gambling on random mean coins that's maybe more of a better definition than ponzi or gambling because i have I, I have no clue i haven't figured out like what's the best way to describe this because it's all of that plus chaos plus <laughs> yeah, social <it's>... media <laughs> yeah it's definitely chaos and i feel like it's still early in sort of the, the cycle of these things. I mean, Dogecoin has been around for years, but it only really like pumped and went crazy this year. And then we've seen all of these, you know, various offshoots and knockoffs or, you know, a- attempts to recapture that magic. So I, I still think it's a gamble. I, I also think it's fun and it's accessible and it's something that gets people talking about crypto and, and interested in crypto. So I, I'm not going to begrudge anyone who wants to put their money into these things as long as they're aware of the risks and, you know, maybe it will kind of get them excited about the wider crypto ecosystem and, and what's possible here. Let's, let's, move, let's move off this. I, I, could, I could talk about this all day, but I want to know what's going on with Steam. Uh, you, you, you're the one that uh, brought this to my attention. I didn't see this article, but Steam is banning NFT games and NFTs. What, what's going on? Yeah. So Steam is the biggest traditional PC gaming marketplace. Um and last, I think it was last week, they added or they updated their developer stipulations and said, you should not be publishing games that use blockchain technology, that have any sort of cryptocurrency or NFT implementation. And they didn't say why. We reached out for comment. A lot of other publications reached out for comment. There has been no like explanation or, or richer detail to explain it. But their main competitor, the Epic Games Store, uh, Epic Games is the creator of Fortnite, they were like, yeah, come to us. Like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll publish your games as long as they fit our, our regulations. But in any case, Steam is the biggest fish right now. And this week, uh, crypto advocates, digital rights advocates started pushing back. There's this open letter that was signed by more than 25 uh, blockchain game developers that was signed by Engine and Fight for the Future, which is a um, digital rights uh, advocacy group and the Blockchain Game Alliance, which includes uh, major game publisher Ubisoft, Ethereum Scaling Solution, Polygon, all sorts of companies. And it basically said like, you know, Web3 Games is a fast moving and exciting space and it has benefits for players. Uh, And, you know, we want to at least have a dialogue about why this is happening and try to understand and hopefully convince you to overturn this ban. And so why do you think they banned it though? Well, I mean, Valve is a centralized player that controls its own ecosystem and and makes a whole bunch of money from it. Uh, It also publishes games of its own. It has games like Counter-Strike and Team Fortress 2, and it makes money from the in-game items that you can buy and trade only on their platform. You don't really own those items. You can't take them out of Steam and sell or manipulate them how you want to. So... Uh, you know, I, I spoke with someone from Fight to the Future and they said, you know, this is another case of a gatekeeper wanting to retain their ability to extract value out of every single transaction on their platform. And until mm-hmm. uh, uh, Valve, which is the creator of Steam, until they give a more nuanced explanation of why they're doing this, that's going to be the message. Like people are just assuming that 
They're scared of the change that's coming, the evolution that's happening in the space. It's early, but a lot of people think that that's the direction it's going to. And Valve has a lot to lose. Now, if I'm correct, uh, and I wasn't following this that, that closely, but uh, it, there was a lawsuit between Epic and Apple. Was that correct? And it was resolved? Yeah, I, that, that was sort of a separate thing where uh, Epic wanted to basically circumvent Apple's payment structure because mm-hmm. uh, Apple has a closed ecosystem just like Google does. And uh, basically Epic Games wanted to be able to process payments without giving Apple a cut. Which right. you know, so, fair enough on their end, and they won. So it's it sort of seemed like a mixed verdict. I, I know that because Apple has appealed the verdict. I just let you know the reason why I'm asking this is because it seems as though if they won that one, it looks like Valve. I'm sorry, yeah, Valve and NFT uh, companies would have a case against Valve if they're trying to keep in their ecosystem. Like yeah, precedent was already set. Yeah, it's certainly possible. I mean, if if Epic Games wanted to pick another big fight. You know, they could come together with some of the NFT game developers and advocates in the space, and maybe they could put up a legal challenge to uh, to Steam here. But right now, I I just know that developers are trying to open a dialogue and and try to get Steam to reconsider its decision. Another question about uh, NFTs really quick. Um, Mm -hmm. Timbaland, one of my favorite uh, hip hop producers of all time, actually my favorite hip hop producer of all time. Um, He's coming out with the NFT. What's going on with that? Yeah, uh, Timbaland is releasing Ethereum music NFTs that you can like mix and match and create your own remixes. They're like little sound chunks, like little samples almost, each Ethereum NFT. And if you buy at least two of them, you get access to this web app, which was described to me as like a stripped down garage band. And you can just put all those samples in and you can manipulate them and you can just sort of have fun with it. Timbaland has had music mixing video games in the past, but this NFT play introduces ownership. Um, there's more of a connection to the artist. There's probably perks down the line. I know if you collect at least five, you get like a full song NFT as well. Um, and I actually interviewed Timbaland for this. And, you know, he said he's excited. Wait, wait, about- wait, 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 <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You interviewed Timbaland? It was over email. So I didn't get to speak. To oh, them. okay. And okay. So- <laughs> I was going to say, like, bro, you, you guys got to loop me in with these things, especially when it comes to Timbaland. If, if we can talk, if we can actually talk to him sometime, we'll let you do it. Okay. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyway, he said, you know, he's excited about new avenues to release music, engage with his fans. I mean, pretty straightforward stuff, but it seems like he's excited about the possibility for blockchain to be used for like IP rights and, you know, releasing music in new ways. So uh, it's just kind of an interesting play and we'll see what the demand is when they go on sale next week. There's so many things that NFTs will be able to do. And I just actually want to see how this plays out because I feel that once you start opening and cracking like this egg, then you're going to see that there's a, I don't even know where I'm going with that analogy. You're going to see that uh, like there's uh, so much more that could be built out. Cause the way I'm looking at it as well is like, fine, I have a couple uh, hooks in whatever of uh, Timberland's NFTs and I, I make this mix. And then do I have like, there's this mix that maybe, maybe that mix goes viral, but that's maybe mixed with many other people's NFTs. Do we now have collective ownership of that new mix that we can now sell on secondary markets and we get royalties from this NFT kind of like collaborative effort? Yeah. I, I don't know in this case, but my, my guess is probably not. I I'm, I'm guessing with how much focus Timbaland has put on like IP rights and stuff, I'm guessing there's probably not 
you know, the potential for royalties here. But but I do think that there is a movement brewing in the NFT space where people are embracing openness. Like there are NFT collections where the owners can do absolutely anything that they want with the image that they buy. And not even just the image that they buy, but like all of the images, they can make merchandise, they can commercialize them in certain ways. And I think as we see more of that going on and we see more people adopting that stance and seeing the potential benefits of it, we could definitely see something like that where all of these pieces can be put together to create new kinds of arts, new kinds of business opportunities. And if that can be proven out, then we're going to see big players uh, start to accept that too. I, I really like the idea of, you know, if you do have the NFTs, you're able to, you know, always not only use them, but sell them and, and manipulate them yourself. Uh, one thing I do see that's that's trending right now, board ape yacht clubs, and people are taking their board apes and, and editing or manipulating and reselling their board ape but with different clothes or evolving their board ape and i thought that that's pretty cool actually i bought one the other day um oh, yeah. i couldn't afford an actual board ape probably gonna be a scam there and i'm gonna lose all my ass but <laughs> it's okay it's okay uh timbaland bought a board ape last night i saw on twitter he he aped in he's part of the club are you serious how much you pay for it <laughs> i i didn't get to look into it yet but um i feel like the floor is I don't know, maybe 120,000 at this point, maybe 150,000. So more than All that. Right. So note, note, note to self, I'm not buying any board apes and note to self, I'm not <laughs> buying any crypto punks because I think one was just sold to themselves for like what, 500 million or something. Yeah, it was, it's sort of not a real sale as uh, the creators, Lyra Labs explained it. Basically somebody took a flash loan. They bought the CryptoPunk from themselves and then return the funds. So basically they were just like memeing, like they were just like trying to get some attention and excitement over it. But uh, Larva Labs is like, yeah, this, this isn't like a real transaction. That sounds like laundering. That's what that's, that's <laughs> but I, Yeah, no, and that was the first thought of most people who saw it. But I, I think the fact that it was a flash loan that was taken out and repaid in the same transaction, they're like, this person was just messing around. Like they just kind of wanted to, you know, make, make a statement and have people talk about it. The last thing on our agenda for a week in review is Facebook's rebranding and they're changing their name to Meta. Uh, what's going on with that? Yeah, Facebook is all in on the metaverse. Um, they've sort of been signaling this for a while. They see it as the future of their company. You know, a lot of people in crypto talk about the metaverse. People in crypto want it to be an open environment where assets are interoperable, everything kind of fits together, you can move things across, move assets across various apps or spaces. And Facebook, you know, they're saying that, but I think everybody who knows about Facebook and their history knows that they want to control this space as much as they can, whether that is, you know, actual control with a closed ecosystem, or just kind of establishing as much power and influence as they can, and establishing things like on ramps for money and, and taking a cut of every transaction. So basically yesterday's Facebook uh, Connect keynote was all about the metaverse. We got a lot of Zuckerberg, whole lot of Zuckerberg, uh, both in his real form and his like 3D avatar talking about how the metaverse is going to change everything. You're going to work in the metaverse. You're going to interact and play. They mean it. So they changed the name of the company to Meta. So, you know, I think you'll, you'll still go to Facebook. You'll still use WhatsApp. But the company is going to be called Meta, and that sort of signals their ambition to make this the, the, the primary focus of their company in the next five to 10 years. Ryan Selkis tweeted uh, on October 27th, uh, which is 
two days ago. Uh, he, he said, I have had five moments of tech euphoria in the past decade. The first one was reading the Bitcoin white paper. The second one was trading on Uniswap. The third one was wearing an Oculus for the first time. Um, and fourth one, yield farming. Fifth one is understanding NFTs. I can relate to three of those, reading the Bitcoin white paper, uh, understanding NFTs, and wearing an Oculus. If you haven't worn an Oculus and uh, you know played a game in there and had the, you know, and the, the newer ones, I think I can't remember if it's not the goal, it's the... The Quest. The Quest. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I have both of them. So, and then mm-hmm. you, you wear the Quest and you have the two controllers. It, it is unreal. And yeah. The Oculus and- Quest is dope. Like it's, it's super fun. It's really easy to use. It's like a perfect entryway into VR. So like to understand, like when, when somebody says we are going to go all in on the metaverse, I go, yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> Because I'm wearing this thing going, wish I could do more. I wish it was totally connected. I wish I can mm-hmm. like, this is the future full stop. I get <laughs> why they're doing this. Do you, do you agree with me? Yeah. And, and just to be clear, I don't think VR is necessarily the only way that people are going to experience the metaverse. It might not even be the way that most people experience it. I, I think you, there will be VR. They're missing components. out then. <laughs> they're missing yeah, out. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> VR is already super fun in that form and it's going to become more immersive and more kind of part of our daily lives. But I know Facebook is also making a big augmented reality play, sort of like the Google glass kind of thing, but like way more advanced and smarter and not dumb looking. Uh, And and then also the metaverse is just going to be kind of something that we access on our screens like we would now, but like more in like a 3d space, more interoperability, more kind of like spending your time in this world and doing all the stuff that you do on a computer just without like flat interfaces and websites. So, you know, VR is definitely a part of it. And Facebook is putting its fingers in as many of these pies as it can as it tries to control the next wave of all of this. All right. For, so no new rule on this show. Never say Facebook is putting their fingers in anybody's pies. <laughs> that is not allowed it's, on the show. It's in all the pies. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Hayward, senior writer at Decrypt. Thank you for coming on the show and doing this week in review with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. I will not be back tomorrow because I'll be traveling to upstate New York for a vacation, but I will be back on Sunday morning for a weekend update, and then we'll have the normal show every day of the week because, you know, it's a daily show. I can't take a day off. I don't want to leave you guys hanging with no crypto news, but I will be recording that from upstate New York, and I'll tell you about my trip when I get there. And until Sunday... Happy hodling, everyone.